Hello and welcome to Sobriety Elevated, the podcast that is committed to empowering you in your recovery and elevating your sobriety. Join us now for the next episode. We hope you create an incredible experience. Let's get the show started. And here we are in another exciting episode. You're with Kevin and and Jim. Hello, everybody. We're so glad that you're here. So, Jim, I thought, so we had a a few questions. We both have been asked this question a lot in the last couple weeks, really forever since I've gotten sober. And that's people understanding, like, how can I support my loved one, my friend, my coworker, my employee, whatever, uh, that wants to get sober. Yeah, spouse, anything. How do I support them and help them get sober or help them stay sober? And I think that's a great question. First off, if you're asking that question, thank you, because I know that as someone who is in recovery, it's awesome to have people that care enough to try to support and try to help us and and be an encouragement. Secondly, disclaimer, um, just because I know that when my wife would listen to something like this, she's going to say how I always am. I'm an addict, you know, and I'm a recovering addict. So you're going to hear this from like the recovering addict side, uh, not from necessarily the loved one side. And I think we'll probably get Rachel on here to talk about her side here and some other people too, that are supporting loved ones in recovery. Absolutely. um, Absolutely. We're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about this. So Jim, what what do you think about whenever you hear this? Well, when I think about it, and first off, I'm going to speak from the aspect also of someone in recovery. My just recovery has been a long time. I'm also going to speak from the perspective of coach, because oftentimes when you're looking to support someone as they get sober, you need to make sure, and if you saw me, it's air quotes, that you do it right or that you do it correctly. Because one of the biggest things that happens, and I'm just going to put this one right out first, is that we tend to smother people. What are you doing? Are you high now? Are you, are you drinking now? Are you doing whatever your addiction is right now? As opposed to literally being the space for them to process everything through that they need to process through as they get sober. Best example is, I think on the show before, I've talked about one of my clients right now. He's 100, he's he's getting really close to 100 days clean from alcohol. And in our last session, and in full disclosure, in our last session, he's basically, he's using marijuana to kind of assist him. But he's been cutting back. And in our last session, he said, in 30 days, I want to be completely substance free. And then yesterday, he kind of reached out and he said, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. So in that moment, what I did, the first thing that I did was to make sure that he has a team supporting him. And there's two options here because because one of the things, if you're going to do it without a recovery center, you need to have a team and that team needs to be the people closest to you. And they literally have to go through some like little micro training themselves so they don't, as you're going to talk about, smother the person to death. But the other option is find a decent recovery center. Because when you go to a recovery center, especially if you have good insurance, if you pick the right recovery center, your recovery will go. It's still going to be tough. Don't get me wrong. 
but your recovery is going to go with a higher level of ease. Thoughts about that, Kevin? Yeah, I went to a recovery center and it was huge and, and very vital. You know, I went to Cirque Lodge in Utah, which is where we met Jim. Yeah, Cirque Lodge is one of the top five in the country. They have a program that not only is AA based, but it's also spiritually based. So it's one of, I've worked on the Wasatch Front. I've worked in almost a dozen and a half recovery centers. And without a doubt, Cirque is my top choice for people. Yeah, I would say that you said AA and spirituality, but AA is a spiritual program. But you know, you knew I had to throw that in there. Um, but um, I love, I loved it. I loved going to recovery center. I actually had someone reach out to me two days ago, someone that works with me, and and they had said, "Hey, I, I'm I need help. This is not a good situation." And so I offered to help him with with our you know insurance and things like that, and then also some able to supplement with some finances to go to a recovery center. But the deal is for us, you have to go right away. And he actually on the phone with me drove towards the recovery center, and he checked himself in and. Uh, thankfully, he's in there, and we're hoping that he's going to be feeling better, get everything that he needs. Like you said, the smothering is huge. I, I get that it's really, really hard for someone who has dealt with an addict for a long time to all of a sudden like try to trust them or things like that. And I don't, we don't expect that. That's where boundaries come in and, and putting controls in place and all that. But what you don't want to be is the person that literally asks a hundred questions. You know, Rachel, you know, she, she's going to listen to this, I'm sure. And at first it was a challenge for her to not be like, what are you doing? Where are you at? Why are you here? What's going on? Why? Wait. So you're where? Wait, you drove by this place that sells alcohol. Why were you there? Over time, what's happened is I've built the trust where she didn't do that, but she learned that that stuff doesn't really help. And so giving me some freedom again, as I earned it, but also having the boundary in place. You know, we had a thing called Soberlink where I would blow into a breathalyzer three times a day. There's all these different options to where a third party can be checking you, whether it's drug testing, et cetera, that you can help put these boundaries and controls in for, for people. I loved what you said when you said basically freedom as the trust is built. Because if you're supporting someone, if you know an addict, chances are that trust is shattered. Just be really honest. It's shattered. And one of the biggest things, and this is why when Rachel gets on, I want to I hear how she actually was able to build that trust over time. Because it is the small successes that people have. I mean, just like last night, I ended my night talking to this human who is getting sober because he just had a grumpy day. It was his first day with nothing. And he was really in his head. And then we had a talk this morning. It was the first thing he's just like, he's, he called me up and he's just like, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm like, okay. And, he's, and then I said, but what do you really want? And he says, I really want to be sober. He says, I'm sick of this. And I said, can you do this? And he says, yes. And the only thing that I did is I heard him with no judgment. I literally allowed him to speak what he needed to say. And then I brought him back to his commitment. I trust that with the small steps, because I'm sure I'll talk to him two, three times today. He's going to call me. This is when I normally, you know, this is when I would normally get high, you know, and it's like, so if you're listening to this and I know it's going to sound tough, create the space that if you see the little victories, 
give them trust, give them the ability to actually step into it. I love that, Jim, because what you said was so important. And that's one, you listen to them. Two, without judgment, I, the optimism, you know, I've worked with you as my coach and stuff. So being optimistic and things like that. And I think that three, those are three key things. Like whenever somebody comes to you and is like, I want to get sober and I want to get clean. It's really hard. I, I, I get it. Like I sponsor a bunch of people that are newly, newly trying to get clean. And I sometimes like get frustrated because I'm like, oh, sure, you want to get clean, you know, and I question it and I want to be sometimes negative, but being optimistic and encouraging to them and then listening to them without judgment, because they're going to talk to you and tell you and explain to you how they're feeling and why they want to get sober. And you said something, Jim, it's, it's funny, you know, this guy was using what they call like the marijuana maintenance program and things like that. And whatever, you know what, everybody has their own life and has to make their own decision. That's not for me and not for anybody that I sponsor typically being patient with people, you know, that first 100 days that he was without alcohol. I mean, that's a huge victory. Like that's a huge victory. So instead of being like, yeah, but you're still using this, you let the process play out and you were patient with him, which if you are trying to support someone in recovery, patience is going to be like the number one key. Recovery is not fast. It's not easy. It's a process. It's going to take time. So being patient and letting people discover things on their own time. Me as like a sponsor in AA, you know, I have rules and I have boundaries that I, I set right away that are like, here's, if you want me to sponsor you, here's what you have to do. But there's other things that are kind of like gray area and things like that a little bit where I have to be patient. I have to understand when I tell somebody, hey, cut these friends off. I realize that it's not, they can't just wake up one day and be like, these friends are cut off. Over time, it's going to happen. So patience, understanding, optimism, love, all these words that are so hard with somebody that's just completely destroyed you probably as an addict. It's so hard to do. But if they're serious and sincere and want to get help and want to get sober, that's the best way to support them. One of the things that I heard you say is you are authentic in your communication with them. So if you're listening to this and you're supporting someone, authenticity, it's okay to tell them, I want to believe you. I'm going to believe you. But there's a little part of me in the back of me that's unsure. Because one of the things about our human mind is we tend to default towards the negative. Oh, yeah, you're, you're clean today, but I bet you're going to mess up tomorrow, right? And it's like the person getting clean doesn't need to hear that. They already have that voice in their own head literally saying, you can't do this. You're going to screw this up anyway. So don't add to their voice. Be authentic with your concerns, but be authentic with your concerns from an I perspective. I'm worried. I'm here to support you. A little secret about my like my coaching with with this guy, right? When he first started, the goal was 30 days. He's like, I'm gonna get 30 days clean and then I'm gonna have a drink again. And it was about 20 days, and I'm like, Well, what do you think about this? And he says, I really, he says, I'm not sure. And I said, What do you say we go for a hundred days? And he said, That actually sounds good. And you wanna know the thing that was the biggest change was when he stopped drinking, he stopped being angry, he stopped being argumentative, and quite literally, he all of a sudden became love for his family and his parents noticed a physical difference. But you gotta be authentic. You gotta be real with these people. 
And you've got to be real with yourself because your authenticity. And the other thing is, I the second point I want, or, or before I bring up the second point, any thoughts, Kevin? I, I Yeah, being authentic and, and open and honest, it needs to go both ways for this to work. So I, I completely, uh, completely agree with that, 100% know that there is a dark side there are we all have dark thoughts the moment you stop denying those dark thoughts and understand it's just part of our human experience because i want to say honestly last night my grumpy client just like he said something to me and i didn't make it mean anything and then i actually even it's like oh it's like you probably want to you know tell me to blah 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 and he laughed almost to the point of tears saying I kind of do. And I said, well, I said, it's okay. I said, I'm not going to make it mean anything because my role is to hear you so you get that darkness out so that you can begin to fill the darkness with more light. Yeah, another thing, you know, this is kind of maybe a little bit, so we'll change, change pace a little bit. But number one thing that you should do, I think, is I get asked this so much. And, and, and you know, my wife, my parents, uh, friends, family, so many people in my life had to deal with me. And I, I asked them, like, how did, how did it feel and all that? And it was, it's hard, obviously. But the number one thing, like if it's your spouse, especially, is you need to probably get some help of your own. You know, there's different programs for people uh, about loving someone that's an addict. My wife, whenever I was in treatment, she went to this family group where they talked about dealing with loved ones that are in treatment. So you can get help and you can get tools and, you know, a lot of these programs, what they find is as people go to, to support their loved one, they were able to really help themselves and grow. And I think that it's, it's pretty incredible to see that growth and that happens. So focus on your personal and your individual health, mental health and health overall. And then another thing that's extremely practical that, that is, is important, and I've seen this be a challenge for people, which I question if this is a challenge for you, do you really want your loved one to be in recovery? And that's create a substance-free environment. Really? Yeah. If they're an alcoholic, don't have alcohol in the home. Don't be like a week after they're getting sober being like, let's go to the bar. You know, Be encouraging. Put them in a, in a position to succeed. I have a friend, actually. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, and the, I think the years are right. He's a little over a year sober, but his wife uh, is three years sober. She's not an alcoholic. She's not an addict. But he originally, his first attempt to get sober was three years ago. And she was like, I'll do it with you. Now, he had a, a, you know, a slip or a relapse or whatever you want to call it in there. So his sobriety date's different. She didn't. Well, she's not an alcoholic, so a little easier for her. But she just decided to make the commitment to say, you know what? If he's going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I get that that can be hard for people. And I'm not saying that's for everybody at all period. You know, I mean, I'm around people that drink all the time. It doesn't bother me anymore at this point. But early on, there's no way that I would want Rachel or to be at a bar where all of a sudden people are drinking and doing that. So the people around me that supported me, they understood, you know, for a while, especially till my program got more solid until, uh, until the obsession to drink and use was completely taken away from me. They removed that stuff, you know, the temptations and the things that may trigger a relapse. And then there's like the easy things, like if it's drugs and stuff, don't have the drugs out there. Like if you're, if it's a drug addict that likes opiates and you have opiate prescription or something, don't freaking leave them out for them to grab them and take them, take away the temptation, lock them up, make it harder. Simple, but practical things that I, I hope are, are pretty obvious to people, but sometimes, sometimes they're not. And, you know, not so, to keep ram, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. And then I'm going to ramble on about something else. <laughs> 
So I just want to reinforce that point. If you're listening to this and you're supporting, make sure the environment supports their sobriety, every aspect of it. If you have to go into their phone, you actually have to ask them to delete their dealer, delete the dealer. Whatever it takes, make sure that the drug of choice and any other drug that may become a substitute because they can't do it is not available or they actually have to work at it. Because if you make it so they have to work at it, in the working at it, they think about it. And when they think about it, oftentimes they'll reach out and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. And that's where you can support them. That's where, yeah, the open communication, being optimistic, non-judgmental is so important. I understand, you know, you're listening to this and you're like, oh, my, per you know, my loved one has relapsed 300 times. There's times where you have to detach and set a boundary and detach with love and say, hey, unfortunately, I can't be here for you anymore. You need to go get help. You need to get clean. And then I'll be there to support you once, you know, once there's some time. So mm -hmm. I, we don't, I have, I have realistic expectations but what I wanted to say was the people that support me, you know, I, I've, I've, I've often think about like in my life, how diverse the group of people that supported me in my recovery were. And, you know, there's people in my life that like, let's say even now, you know, I went to dinner with a customer when I was out of town this, this last month. And when we sat down, clearly he's a guy that drinks and has a good time. I mean, he's out of town for work. And when he sat down, he, I noticed he ordered a, a water and um, I always order a sparkling water. It's kind of cheesy, but it's just what I do um, and a Diet Coke typically. I kind of was like, all right, this is interesting because I'd heard the guy talk. I know that he liked whiskey. He liked all these things. And so I just said to him, I go, hey, man, I, I know that because, of course, I tell everybody, every, everybody that I'm a recovering addict, like everywhere I go. And uh, I said, hey, man, you know, you know that the alcohol won't bother me. You can drink and it's not going to affect me at all. Thankfully, that's where I'm at in my program. Some people aren't. Even a guy who doesn't hardly know me was trying to be supportive of my recovery. And so whether, you know, if it's anybody out there that, that you know is in recovery, try, you know, ask the question. Be like, is this going to bother you? And, you know, I, I love it when people do that. It really makes me realize that they care. I will just, uh, I know we, we'll, we're going to finish here soon. And lastly, and, and because there's so much more to talk about, Jim, I think we should... Uh, we'll do a part two on this one and we'll keep it going. I think it's beautiful. But, yep. Yeah. So lastly though, for this episode, just to, to leave this, if somebody says to you, and this is like maybe personal, this is personal pet peeve of Kevin. If somebody asks you, Hey, do you want to, or if you ask somebody, Hey, do you want to drink? And they said, no, thank you. I don't drink. Just keep your mouth shut and say, okay. You don't have to ask them why. You don't have to be like, so wait a second. You know, whoa, you, what do you mean you don't drink? Let them make their decision and then move on, move on from it. You don't have to ask those questions. When people are ready to tell you, they'll tell you. And not everybody is like me, you know, where I literally tell people whenever they say, hey, do you want to drink? I'm like, I'm a recovering addict. No, thank you. I promise you there's not enough alcohol in this entire country to, you know, to make me be have enough because I'll drink and drink and drink till I die. Not everybody's like that. So let them make their decision and then move on. And that's just an easy way to support people. So I think on this, we'll go ahead and close out episode, uh, this episode, which will be part one. And I think Jim, with so many more points to talk about on how to support someone getting sober, we'll have part two. So in a couple days, um, we'll be releasing the part two episode. So thank you so much for listening. Again, 
we want to help people and that's why we do this. So please share this with people. Subscribe. You'll get notified when the new episodes come out. Give us a ranking. Post it up on your social media if you think this will help people. The goal is not for Jim and I to, to get any accolades. It's literally just to help people. So we appreciate you listening. And until next time, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening.